I'm leaning into kind of being a beginner again and looking at this as a chance of what can I build? Like, where to from here? Uh, what can I do differently? What, what things do I want to keep the same? But what are the little tweaks that I can make? What's something new that I can add in? I tried so hard to get into running, like, but I suck. Um, yeah, it was bad. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share candid chats on all aspects of well-being so that you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebelagen. Swimming has been Kate Campbell's life since she was a young girl. So what happened when the four-time Olympian took a break from the sport? Well, it's meant that she's had time to speak up about important health issues like period management and the nerve damage she endured from having a contraceptive implant removed. But having a break also allowed Kate to reignite her passion for swimming with her goal now to compete in her fifth Olympics. In this episode, the event skin ambassador talks about her melanoma diagnosis and how getting her skin checked saved her life. And hopefully this is a reminder to get yours checked too. She also talks about the impact of taking a career break, her ill-fated attempt at falling in love with running, and why her mantra is, be brave. Now, you have been in the media a lot recently for shining a light on skin cancer. Mm. Why is this so important to you to get this message out? I was diagnosed with a melanoma back in 2018. Uh, it had been a while since I'd gone and got a skin check. Um, I'm one of those people who really struggles to take my car in for a service every year and to go to my dentist appointments every year. And the skin check just was on my priority list, but had never made it to the top. And I caught up with an old friend and he had this massive scar on his arm. I said, oh my gosh, what happened there? And he said, I had a melanoma removed. Uh, it was lucky that we caught it when we did. Otherwise... I potentially could have lost my arm. And I just suddenly yeah. thought, oh my goodness, I can't afford to lose any limbs. It's been such a long time since I've had a skin check. I'd better go get it checked out. How long had it been? Do you remember? <sighs> I want to say a good three or four years. And ideally, how often should you be checking? Ideally, you'd like to get a skin check once a year. Uh, as long as you're not in a high risk category. Uh, now that I have had a stage one melanoma, I went through a phase of getting checked once every three months. And now I'm down to once every six months. And the way that I do it is I am at the dermatologist and I book in for my next skin session when I'm there, because yeah. I know that I will not remember to call up in six months time. Yeah. But if it's in my diary, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So then that three year gap between your last check is quite a very long time to leave it. It is a long time and I didn't think that anything had changed. I'm pretty good about monitoring my own skin. Uh, having said that, I've now had all of my moles mapped and I have 122. So that's a lot to keep track yeah. of. <laughs> Actually, it's probably a few less now because I've had a few more sort of taken out as a precaution. But um, it was just a, a, on a mole on my upper right arm. And I hadn't noticed any changes, but the dermatologist said, oh, I don't really like the look of it. I'll just take uh, a little bit of a biopsy today. And if there's anything to worry about, I'll give you a call. So what was it that the dermatologist saw that you didn't necessarily see? 
I think she saw some really minor changes, some irregularities uh, in the mole color and around Mm. the mole edges. And some of these things can be really small and they kind of look at it through uh, a little magnifying glass. And so they get a really good, clear look at it. Um, Whereas just you looking at your own skin, you may not notice these changes. And she gave me a call a couple of days later because I left her office not thinking a thing of it. I was like, sure, it'll be fine. I've never had anything to worry about. And she gave me a call and she said, oh, I've got good news and bad news for you. Uh, The bad news is, is that that mole is a melanoma. Mm. And it's kind of one of those things that when you hear melanoma, you're like, oh my gosh, what does this mean for me? Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. And before I could spin off and go down the rabbit warren of all the worries, she was like, in good news, it's stage one. We just need you to come back in. We need to take a wider margin of tissue from around the mole, make sure we've got all the cancerous cells, and then hopefully that's fine. Mm. And I literally was booked in for surgery the next day, had all the cancerous cells removed, all of the rest of the results came back clear, and that was it. But if I hadn't gone and gotten that skin check, if we hadn't caught that at stage one, it moves pretty quickly to stage two, which can require radiation, stage three, and then stage four. So if you are diagnosed with stage four melanoma, the mortality rate can be up to 80%. And it can happen within the space of a couple of months. Whereas if you're caught with a stage one melanoma, uh, the chances of complete cure is 96% because they just take it out. So it was just like such a wake up call to me. Like if I had left it for that little bit longer, um, cause, cause the, the placement of the mole is on my upper right arm. It's very close to your lymph nodes. If the cancer had made its way into the lymph nodes, it can spread throughout your whole body. So I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is something that I need to be more aware of, that other young people need to be aware of, uh, without getting too statisticy, because I love a statistic. Uh, melanoma is the most common form of cancer in people aged under 35. So it's, mm. they call it like a young person's cancer, um, because young people don't go and get checked. Whereas as you get older, you have a lot more health checks that you go and get regularly. So it's about encouraging people to be sun smart, cover up be a bit sensible and go and get a skin check. (laughs) Yeah. So when this was all going on for you, what else was happening in your life? Because this would have been like peak training time for you as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was, it was actually just after the, like I'd finished competing for 2018. So we'd had Commonwealth games on the Gold Coast, which Mm. just remains one of my favorite competitions of my career. And then uh, Pan Pacific Championships, Uh, over in Japan and I was kind of in a little bit of a break and I tend to in that break just jam in as many uh, medical screenings catch-ups as I can but you're right it was towards the end of that and because it required more surgery and a longer time to recover and heal it started to eat into the next stage of my preparation um, for training and I guess I was lucky in in the sense that I had that I hadn't caught it before uh, a competition because I, I potentially wouldn't have been able to compete. Um, but in saying that, you should always go and get it taken out straight away. Um, yeah. 
And actually, it, we, we had a case, Sam Short, he swims 1,500-metre freestyle. He won gold at the Commonwealth Games uh, in Birmingham earlier this year. He was overseas when a doctor picked up that there was a mole on his back. And so he was in Budapest. Uh, he just competed at the World Championships, and the doctor was like, we don't like the look of that. Get it tested. And he had to have a melanoma removed in between the World Championships and the Commonwealth Games. So oh, literally wow. like a couple of weeks before he was competing – they had to take out a stage one melanoma. So, yeah, it's it's quite common in, in people who enjoy the outdoors uh, and spend a lot of time in the sun, which most Australians do, right? Yeah, definitely. I wonder if that's something um, that the swim team would consider in the future, making sure that it was a part of basically part of your training, your schedule. Like you train, you look after your nutrition, look after mindset. What about skin? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it integrated. We do big medical screenings once every year where we go in, we speak to a doctor. Um, sometimes we have to go get ECGs, we have to get blood tests. It would be great if we could just begin to integrate a standard skin check into those. I think that it would catch a lot of these uh, little irregularities that happen from people who spend a lot of time very exposed, let's face it, in swimmers. Yes. You're very exposed. Yeah, it uh, makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really would. And yeah, who, who knows how many people we could save. Yeah. What is a main message that you want people to know? I think it's just being mindful of the dangers of prolonged sun exposure. Mm. When we think of summer, we think of the beach, And most of us will sustain at least one really good sunburn over the summer. Even me with my dark skin, I get sunburned, which sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't need sunscreen. I'm like, oh, yes, I actually do need sunscreen. You actually, like everyone needs sunscreen. And we tend to laugh at sunburn. It's something Mm. that we find really funny. We make fun of people. But essentially, you're putting your skin cells in trauma. And that's when they begin to mutate and can form these cancerous melanomas. So uh, I think it's about if I had like one piece of advice for people, it's like make sunscreen part of your daily routine because then you don't even have to think about it. Like when I moisturize my face, I moisturize. And then the next thing that goes on is sunscreen. It's the same when I jump out of the pool, I put moisturizer on my body and then I just pop a layer of sunscreen on. And it's like the easiest thing if you don't have to consciously think about it. Um, because then you walk out of the door protected. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just about being really mindful. I'm not telling people not to go out and enjoy the outdoors because that would make me a hypocrite, but it's just about being really mindful of your exposure. If you can wear long sleeves and a hat, do that. But if you're going for a swim, sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. So scarily, <laughs> like since, so we we're in this really good spell of weather in Sydney at the moment and after La Nina, but a few people have been like, oh, I got sunburnt in on the weekend for the first time. Like, it's a good thing. And, I'm, and they're like, no, 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 don't say that. No, it's not a good thing. Um, yeah. And, and I think that we can be like really flippant towards yes. it. Yes. Uh, we kind of just accept that that's part of uh, summer, a part of being Australian. I mean, we laugh at all the... Uh, English backpackers down at Bondi Beach when they come out um, glowing because they're so sunburnt. Mm. Uh, but underneath that, like, 
You know, we, we don't laugh at people who smoke. We don't laugh at people who drink excessively. Like yeah. all of these things carry a level of danger. So just be really, really mindful. And sun, sunburn isn't funny. It is potentially dangerous. Yeah, it's bringing that awareness back to mm. what is actually happening. And yeah. yeah, we can laugh at English backpackers. I laugh at my husband. He's English. He's very, very, he's very, very pale. And yes, he does get... <laughs> He, he calls it uh, tanning. I call it redness that you should have probably wore sunscreen for. Roasting. I sympathize. Mm. I have a Scottish and Irish background and I got all of those genes and I <laughs> am very pale and I just have to think about the sun for 10 minutes and I'd start glowing. But one thing that I've noticed you've been also talking about is this kind, this the idea of like tanning culture as well, and and having to think differently about that too. Yeah, we we often think that oh, I am healthy if I have a tan, um, mm. or I, I want that uh, bronzed beach summer glow. Yeah. Uh, and something that we're learning more and more about in research is uh, stressing more and more is that tanning is essentially skin cells in trauma. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to produce more melanin to make you darker, to protect you from the sun. Uh, so it's your body trying to protect itself from an outside force. And Australia is has the highest instance of uh, skin cancers in the world, mainly because we sit under a nice hole in the ozone layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't even get those protective layers from, from the ozone. Uh, if, if anyone's been lucky enough to head to Europe recently, uh, they'll know that the sun over there is quite different to the sun in Australia. The sun in Australia is really, really harsh. Even the sun in Sydney versus the sun in Queensland. Mm-hmm. I was there recently for a one week holiday and the sun felt so harsh. So harsh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just because we sit under a nice hole in that ozone layer. And and in Queensland, I think that the, the weather tends to be better. It tends to be warmer. So mm-hmm. you want to get out and get in the water a lot more. Yeah, um, true. So you, you, you spend a lot more time exposed to the sun. Uh, and yeah, you, you can definitely notice the difference. And, and I think that we are just hoping for that next generation of kids coming through. I grew up with the Slip Slop Slap campaign. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sing it for you, Um, (laughs) but it's like burned into my head uh, as a youngster. But we don't have something like that to cut through to the younger generation. Um, Mm. And we need to find a way of talking to them and engaging with them because they don't watch TV anymore. They don't want to listen to adults like... Can we get some influencers on board? Can we reach them via Instagram or, I don't know, TikTok, whatever they're on? I'm not on TikTok, yeah. but I know that a lot of young people are. Yeah. How, how can we get this message across to them? Because it is something that's really important that can affect their health both now and in the long term. They say like up to 80% of Australians will have some kind of skin cancer uh, issue um, between like when they're born and and when they're in their 80s, uh, just because we have so much exposure to such a harsh level of sun. Yeah. So I'm really curious, what has made you want to talk about this now? Um, 
I guess, well, I've, I've taken a little bit of time off swimming, so I've got yes, a little bit have. more time yeah. and energy up my sleeve. <laughs> that, that would be a major factor. <laughs> that plays a bit of a role that I'm actually feeling like alive and awake and I'm not having to have like two hour naps just to get through the day. Oh my God. And then it just frees up your brain for like all these other ideas of things oh, that you want to do, right? Honestly, it's been a dream. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm getting back into training now and preparing for, for my fifth Olympics, but, and part of me is like, Kate, why are you doing that? Um, <laughs> because you just, I'm just going back down into that fatigue fog. Um, but yeah, I've, so I've been able to put some time and effort and energy into other things. And I think that it was such a revelation for me and it could have had really dire consequences, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not and it, and I've spoken to so many people whose lives have been affected by melanoma or skin cancer in some way, and it's not just you; it's your whole family. Uh, one of the ladies who I spoke to, uh, her husband was diagnosed with uh, stage four melanoma and passed away mm. four months after that diagnosis. And oh God! At the time, she. Uh, she was pregnant with their third child. They had two young children. And you just, like, the the heartbreak that it wreaks on, on families is just devastating. And I think that why I want to shed a, a, a light on it is that it's one of the most preventable cancers if you catch yeah. it early. Like, if, yeah. if we do the right thing, uh, it is one of the most preventable, one of the most curable cancers. Uh and we just don't want to continue to lose people to this awful, awful disease. Yeah. So speaking of your downtime from swimming, <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me how, like, how's it been? What have you been up to? Like you went to Europe and traveled. I did. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do after the Tokyo Olympic Games. Um, Mm. I I spoke to a lot of athletes because I was like, am I done or am I not? I was pretty exhausted and pretty burnt out uh, after those games. So I knew that I needed a a break physically and mentally, but I didn't Mm. know if it would be a permanent break or if it was something that I wanted to come back to. So I spoke to a fair few retired athletes and pretty much they all said, you get to a place where when you know, you know, when you know that you're happy just to step away and be done with the sport. And I just didn't have the sense that I wanted that. And then my partner who I've been with for uh, a few years uh, has been dying to do some travel. And because I'm just like this terrible yes person who just says yes to people all the time, (laughs) he pretty much just bullied me into agreeing to six months in Europe. So uh, I mean, there are worse things to be bullied into, to be Definitely. fair. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I got to go and travel around Europe for, for six months. And I think that I was a little bit afraid during that time that I would look at life outside of the pool and just be like, oh, my goodness, this is so great. Uh, and it is, and lots of things have changed. Uh, I would say that my time off has really changed my relationship with exercise. Mm, in what, what way? 
Yeah, while I was competing and training, like we do so much exercise. In a regular week, we do nine swim sessions, three gym sessions, two spin bike sessions, a Pilates session. It ends up being, you know, around 30, 35 hours of exercise a week. Yeah, that's a lot of exercise. So it's a lot. And so I just, I couldn't understand why people would want to do more exercise on the weekends. They'd be like, oh, come, let's like go and do a Pilates class or let's go for a walk. And I was like, I am tired. Mm. Why? Um, And the idea that you can exercise and feel better after doing the exercise than you felt before was something that was really novel because we push ourselves so hard Mm. every session. That's so interesting because then you would leave depleted rather than feeling those good hormones, those feel good hormones. Yeah, yeah, rather than getting those endorphins. And so I initially sort of stopped all kind of exercise. Uh, yeah. But then I was like, oh, I'm feeling sluggish or tired or restless. And so then I would pick up doing other little bits of exercise. I would um, do Pilates at home or I joined a a run club and tried to get into running unsuccessfully, (laughs) unsuccessfully, I might add. Yeah. Horrendous. (laughs) Honestly, whole new respect. Um, I tried playing tennis, uh, but it just moving made me feel really good and Mm -hmm. it it made me feel good physically but mentally I found that I was a much better version of myself and I've never thought of myself as a morning person despite the fact that I've got up at ungodly hours since forever yeah but it's always because I've thought that I've had to go and get up but I find I found that like when I took a step away from swimming I actually really enjoyed having a set time in the morning where I would get up move, do some exercise. And it set me up really well for the day. Um, so yeah, it, it was so wonderful in so many ways. Um, and then obviously going and and traveling and doing all the things and eating all the things and drinking all the things that you can't do as an elite athlete. Um, but by the time we came back to Australia in sort of the, the middle of September, I was pretty ready to start getting back into training because I realized that the real world is great, but going to an Olympics or being a part of elite sport is something that you only really get to do once in your life. Yeah. Um, and why not make the most of it? So decided to go oh, back. That's so good. Was there a specific moment that led you to that decision? I think it was, it was something that I had kind of loosely planned on doing before I went away. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was, but not committed to it, but not committed to it. Yeah. I was worried that the time away would change that. And I was also worried that like this beginning phase of getting back into training, um, all up, I'd had 14 months where I hadn't swum a stroke in the swimming pool. Mm. I hadn't stepped foot into a gym. I hadn't done any form of prescribed exercise. So anything that I did to keep myself um, fit and healthy, I had decided. And I decided how hard I went, when I did it, and what I did. Yeah, so much freedom in that. <laughs> so much freedom after a life of like very, very strict, regimented routines. Yeah. And I was really worried that getting back into the pool that I would hate the beginning grinding phase of feeling unfit, of being weak and slow. And 
I am as unfit and as slow and as weak as I thought I was, yeah. but I'm enjoying it so much more. That's great. Yeah. It's really strange. Like I'm just, I'm leaning into kind of being a beginner again and looking mm. at this as a chance of what can I build? Like where yeah. to from here? Uh, what can I do differently? What, what things do I want to keep the same, but what are the little tweaks that I can make? What's something new that I can add in? I, I also am approaching uh, the lead into Paris very, very differently in that my goal is the Olympic trials, which are in June in 2024. So I, whereas normally like there's a major competition, like every couple of months where I like have to get my body to its absolute peak fitness. So I have the freedom to go back deload because I have some pretty chronic uh, injuries that I'm managing. I'm able to deload that and build this really solid foundation. And I feel like once I get that right, like I can get back to being my best or better than my best. Like w one thing that I've, I've really stressed to uh, the team around me is that I'm not doing this to, go to Olympics number five to tick that off. Like I want to go there and I want to be competitive. I want to be up there with the world's best. And you have to be to qualify yeah. for the Australian swim team. But like, this isn't just something that I feel like would, would be nice to have on my bio. This is something that I really, really want to commit to. Um, and it's exciting to, to be able to do things differently this time around. Yeah, and you can hear it in your voice. And for those of you like listening, you can't see it on your face, but I can see it on your face. You are super, super stoked. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and a real surprise, I think. Um, mm. I was really, really worried uh, getting back in because swimming is, is one of those really monotonous sports. It's something that you grind at. Um, I always said that you don't play swimming, you know, you, you play soccer or basketball or netball or hockey, but you don't play swimming. That's so interesting. We have a similar saying in boxing where we're like, we don't play boxing. Mm -mm. <laughs> I never thought of swimming that way though, but it does make sense. Hey. Yeah. And I'm someone who's like quite serious by nature. Uh, and so I've really had to lean into the idea that I need to find the fun and the joy this time around because it was mm. such a struggle and such a grind and such a push to get to Tokyo that I lost a lot of that. So it's really surprising to find that joy so early on in the piece. And oh. yeah, I'm really loving it. Oh, that's so good. I'm really happy for you. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so another project that you have is that you're the um, you're an ambassador for Aven. I was just yeah. wondering, what was it about the brand that you really wanted to work with? Well, I have actually been using Aven products for a while, quite like way longer, way before they uh, approached me. And I love um, everything about their company. They have a, a real beautiful charitable arm um, to to their company. They're based out of this tiny little town called Aven in France, which I actually got to go and see. And uh, it supports so many uh, people who live in that town that they're all part of, um, it's called the Pierre Fabre uh, group, which which owns Aven. And kind of integral to a lot of the Aven products is this thermal spring water, which they mm. take 
from this spring in event. So, uh, and it's really, really good for, uh, Many, many skin conditions, um, particularly dry skin, which after so many hours in chlorine, uh, (laughs) your skin gets pretty dry. Sometimes I feel like a lizard because I'm just like flaking everywhere. (laughs) I'm just shedding my skin. Um, And they have this real commitment uh, within uh, that little town of Aven to protecting that spring water Mm. and making sure it continues to be as pure as it possibly can be. So the, the, the water that comes up that, that we use uh, in a lot of the, the products is between 60 to 200 years old. So that's how long it takes from like the groundwater to filter down um, right through to get to this spring. And it kind of goes through lots of layers of um, rocks and minerals and it picks up all these good things and then it comes back out and we use that water. And so what I love about Aven is that they have made a real commitment to protecting that environment Mm. because if you make changes or bad decisions now, you're only going to feel those effects in like 60 to 200 years, but that's going to have a detrimental effect on that really pristine water quality. So um, there's like an environmental arm, which I I really love as well. And um, there are other ambassadors to Rhea Pitt, who is just one of my absolute like idols I just think that she's incredible um so to be a a brand ambassador along with her is just honestly a dream come true all right to wrap up I just have a few quick fire questions for you so first thing that comes to mind all right okay what's your favorite exercise non-swimming exercise Uh, swimming at the beach body surfing does that count (laughs) yeah that counts (laughs) yes What's your least favorite? Running. <laughs> that was a definite. Oh, I tried so hard to get into running. Like I did everything, but I suck and it is horrid and it hurts. And people say you get into a rhythm. There was no rhythm. There was only pain and misery. Um, yeah, it was bad. Okay. No one will make you do it again. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, your go-to lunch. Oh, leftovers. Leftovers. Yep. The song that gets you pumped for a workout. I Am Woman by Helen Reddy. Ah, nice. Does it get you pumped for races too? What's yeah. your, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it, I, I usually like pick a song. Um, that's my song for a competition. And, and that was my one from Tokyo. And it was so good that it, I'm pretty sure it's just going to stay. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there any previous songs that you look back on and you're like, oh, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> bad choice. I don't think any were bad. Like I had Flume on top. That, that, was, that was a good one for a while. I had White Stripe, Seven Nation Army for oh, a yeah. while. Um, but like I'm a sucker for a good lyric. And I feel like every lyric in I Am Woman just like speaks to me in a way that yeah gets me super super pumped up which is strange because when you hear the opening line it's like really kind of country music yeah it's like what is this I'm like just listen to the lyrics (laughs) it speaks to my soul it does (laughs) okay what's the thing that you say to yourself when you need to dig deep Mm. so I have kind of two words that I live by um, and that's be brave. 
It's like the last thing I tell myself before I dive in the water. Uh, It's something that I tell myself when I go into social situations and I'm feeling a little bit nervous. It's something that I tell myself when I'm in the middle of a really tough set. Um, And I think I like that idea because it acknowledges the struggle and the fear and um, the anxiety, but it's you making a conscious choice to move on regardless, which I find like gives me back the power. That leads very nicely into the very last question. Your advice for anyone too scared to try something different? Yeah, I would say that change is really difficult. Uh, I, I really struggle with it, but I have tried to be a lot more open-minded. And I think that idea of being brave and going out and doing something outside of your comfort zone uh, is something that I wouldn't have achieved anything in my life if I hadn't done that because yeah. I'm a super risk averse person. Uh, I love nothing more than a quiet night on the couch, but everything that I have done has happened outside of my comfort zone. And I felt like I've grown and evolved so much. Uh, failure is scary. Uh, and that goes with, with, with change and that fear of the unknown. But if you're not willing to risk something, then you're not willing to gain anything either because exactly. success and failure happen at the same point. Yeah. And I think for like people listening who think, oh God, that, that advice itself is very shit scary. Um, you don't have to start with big things either. They can be really, really, really small things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, for, for a while when I was, I was really struggling, um, I would do just little things that scared me. Like I would, I don't know, I'd see if, I'd see if I could swim to the bottom of, um, the diving pool and like be underwater for that long. And that was something that, that scared me, or I would challenge myself to go to, or pick up a new activity and and meet someone new talk to someone new if I was at at a social gathering um and just once you realize that you can do the little things then you realize that you can start doing bigger things as well that sense of achievement like once you've done it that that feeling of overcoming something is better than the fear before this episode of uninterrupted was hosted and produced by me Lisa Gabilagan For more from us, grab a copy of our latest issue with sweat trainer Kelsey Wells on the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us at womenshealth.com.au and connect with us on Instagram at womenshealthaus. See you next time.